Good morning, Allshore. So good to be here with you today. I want to invite you, if you're in the room with us, will you stand and join us for worship? And I just want to pray over us before we get started today. God, we just come before you, Lord, with open hearts. God, emptying ourselves of the things that we're carrying today, we invite your Holy Spirit to do what you want to in this place. God, may our hearts just be centered on you. May we be reminded of your goodness and your love towards us today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship together, church. Together, she 
circumstance in the midst of the world around us or maybe even how we think God would demonstrate his reigning you know for some reason as we were singing this today I, I just was brought back to the story in Acts when the early church is being persecuted and it says they scattered out of fear they scattered and that scattering led to the church having new life in all these different areas where they scattered to tell me that's not crazy isn't that amazing? And I go, I think we limit the view of God's reign to how we view power and how we view might. And so maybe in this moment, before we sing it again, you could just take whatever it is you wish God would reign in and lay it before him. In your own circumstance and the world around us, but can you also lay before him how you wish he would show his reign? And just ask, even as we're going to sing it again in a minute, that he might infuse into us together a confidence that he reigns however he wants and we trust him in that so just in the quiet just for a minute what do you want to give him and go i don't know how to deal with this you reign here lord bring your kingdom
good it is that we have a God that pursues us, who loves us. You know, there's, Scripture says that there is nothing that we can do that separates us from His love. So no matter how you feel, what you might have done, even your own self-worth, knowing that God loves you and pursues you and invites us into His very presence to seek Him. And we're going to do that now. We're just going to have a time where we pray together. We seek God together. And we just have a tradition here at All Shores where we just invite you to have a seat. If you came in with a burden something that's heavy on your mind, something you're struggling with, 
uh, we just invite you to have a seat as a way to surrender before God. And uh, I think if we're honest, you know, if we're honest, all of us could be in that position because there is nothing too small. You know, for it's big enough to worry about, it is big enough to bring before God. So if that's you today, I just invite you to have a seat and I'm going to pray for us. Oh, Heavenly Father, we just do thank you for that love that you freely pour out on us, that you run after us, Lord, that there is nothing we could do that we had have done that separates you from your love. We thank you for that. And we even confess now where we missed the mark this week, where we, where we may have sinned and we say, God, we are sorry. And we thank you that forgiveness is available. Father, we thank you that you love us in spite of what we may have done or who we are or what we think of ourselves. But God, we ask that you move. You remind each person here that you love them, you care for them, that you have plans for them. And God, we just ask that you move in every situation that's in this room, for people that are online watching, wherever they're at, God, that you just move in that situation. I pray that you would bring healing to relationships that need healing. God, that you would bring hope to those difficult diagnoses. God, that you would bring healing to illness, that you would bring just uh, provision where that is needed. Whatever is needed, God, you are the God over the whole world, but you are the God over our intimate problems as well. We just thank you that you know those and you are moving in them as we just surrender to you now. And we're reminded, God, that we are just one expression of your church here at All Shores. And we thank you uh, for the agencies, for the local churches that we partner with who are all seeking after you. And we lift up uh, love and action today. We thank you for all that they do for our community. I ask that you bless them today, that you provide the resources they need, the programs they need, and the wisdom to help those in need to bring the hope of the gospel that way. And we pray for our churches around the world. We pray for the Gomez's who are serving in Mexico. And just thank you for their ministry there. And just pray along with them for more leaders, for group leaders. And we pray for the marriages around them too who just need your help too. And we're just reminded that we are part of that global church and we're thinking of the the 20 people from our church that were running with World Vision this morning, just raising funds for those who need clean water for kids around the world. And we are grateful for that. And I ask that you bless them as they run and then they recover. And we just pray all these things in the mighty and the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Well, you can go ahead and be seated. I just want to welcome you to All Shores. I'm so excited that you are with us on this Sunday morning, that you just decided to spend part of your morning here just seeking after God with us. And if you're joining us online, I'm so glad that you are with us as well and that you are part of our church family and expression of the church that way. You know, so glad that you are here, but we don't want you just to come here. We want you to be here, to be part of the church, be part of what's going on. We want to connect with you, learn about you, and help you take steps in your faith. And the, the best way that we can do that is with that connection card. There's a QR code in front of you if you're here in the room. If you're online, there's a link to, set, to sign up for that. We can just open up the camera on your phone and point at that QR code, and it's a way that we can connect with each other, whether you are new today or uh, you come here every week. We want to help you connect and grow in your faith. Maybe if you're not a technology person, you can also go to our connection point. We have paper copies of that. We have people who would love to talk to you and just kind of answer your questions and help to get to know you better. So I'd love to have you just fill out that card today. Well, we're going to continue this morning as we just worship. And we just call this, we worship through giving. We know that God is so generous and so kind to us. We just sang about that this morning, that he gave everything for us. 
and we worship by giving back a portion of what he has entrusted with us in our finances so we can fulfill the mission that he has called for us as a church, in our community, in our region, and really around the world. And this morning we had those 20 people running for Team World Vision. They raised almost $30,000 for clean water. Yeah, let's celebrate that. You know what? That's an incredible act of generosity of their time. But I know many of you probably gave to them to make that happen. So because of that, they're providing clean water for 150 kids throughout the world. And that's the kind of church that we want to be generous and kind. And we do that when we just give back what God has given to us. So there's ways to give online on the screen behind me. And there are giving boxes by the doors on the way out. And we just thank you for what you are doing and being part of our church in that way. I want you to just turn your attention to the screen and find out more information about what's going on here. Hi, All Stars families. We are so excited to invite you to Fall Fest Spooktacular on Monday, October 31st from 4 to 6 p.m. All the businesses will be passing out candy and All Stars will be here at Tanglefoot Park and we'll be passing out donuts and cider. We'll have a raffle and an awesome trunk retreat where we're passing out candy. We would love for you to participate. You can go to allsource.org slash events to sign up to serve. You can donate candy in your lobby, or you can just invite your friends and neighbors to come and hang out with the Allsource family. We'll see you at Fall Fest Spooktacular. Hey, Allsource family. Well, fall is here, and with fall comes a whole bunch of exciting events that we get to enjoy. Anything from Friday night football to traveling up north on the weekends to see the fall colors to homecoming weekends, like so many fun things. But with those fun things comes the feeling of being overwhelmed, the feeling of being overloaded, the feeling of rushing from one thing to the next. And I don't know about you, but when I experience those feelings, it can just be very difficult to feel God's peace. But there is good news, there is encouragement because God still wants to connect with us. He wants to do that both personally and corporately. And so even despite all of these things going on in our lives, I wanna invite you to take some time aside to join us for a worship night on Friday, November 4th. We're gonna gather here at our worship center in Spring Lake at 6.30 p.m. and we're just gonna take time as a church to sit in God's presence and worship Him together. And I don't know about you, but every time I come to worship the Lord, even though I'm bringing gifts of my own to him, my thankfulness, my adoration, I find that God still has the best gift of all to give, and that's his presence and his peace. And so with that being said, I hope you will take some time on Friday, November 4th to join us. Be sure to mark your calendar. We can't wait to see you.
Well, I want to welcome those joining us online and all of you here from our Spring Lake campus. We're glad you can be with us in what is the second week of a series we've titled Give or Take. And in just a few minutes, uh, our, one of our teaching team will come up and teach. I want to do a couple things before we do that. The first is, if you weren't with us last week, we'd love for you to go back to get the first week because this all builds. Also, we put out a reading plan, so it's five days a week, very short readings from the scriptures that help to reinforce and even expand how God might be moving in the theme of that week. So even if you weren't here last week, you can grab one in the lobby, a bookmark. It's online on allshores.org, and it's the series we're in right now is Give or Take. You'll find it there. So I didn't want to miss that. Also, uh, I want to introduce you to one of our, our, really, our newest staff person. And I want to tell you first that it's our technical director. In that area, you might say, what does a technical director do? I go, well, first of all, everything that happens in any service they're part of from a technical aspect. So the sound, the lights, the audio, or the audio is the lights. I like to say things twice. Uh, we have video, we have slides that go on, all sorts of things with songs. And then, and then all of the pictures of what happens that are streamed out to different locations, whether online or to our other campuses. And then that happens at all three campuses. So we have technical needs there. That's just on Sundays. Any other event we have in any part of the building, that role is involved in mobilizing volunteers to work in. And then finally, we have some IT needs too. So I just want you to know, this is a catch-all for a lot of things, and I get tired just thinking about it. So I want to, though, introduce to you our newest staff, Riley Rhymes and his wife, Lauren, if they would come and welcome them. I didn't say Raleigh. I have no idea why I did that last time. He called me Payday after that, so we changed names. It was good. Raleigh and Payday. I liked how I ended up in that. So I know, just to hear a little bit again, you know, your vision, your desire for what you want to see happen, and then you can even include who might volunteer, how might they get involved. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, as you guys heard, my name's Riley, um, and I'm here to get you guys uh, involved with everything we have going on here, uh, like Payday said. Uh, lights, audio, all the fun stuff, <laughs> all the fun production stuff that we have going on. Um, I want you guys to uh, get involved, get invested, um, and get interested. Uh, if you're young, if you're old, if you know a lot about production, and if you know absolutely nothing about production, um, we want you guys and we want you to learn and be interested and, yeah, join our team. That's great. The in-between can too, right? Young or old, midlife. Yeah. I figured I just... Yeah, 40s and 50s, maybe... Payday's not real happy with that tone right now. <laughs> I was referring to myself in the third person, payday no like. Uh, how can we be praying for you and Lauren? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we're both kind of in a transition period right now, uh, getting new jobs and all that good stuff. So, um, yeah, just pray for smooth transitions and uh, could use prayer for just being challenged and growing uh, in the Lord. And I do want to pray for them. I, I want to remind you, too, it's interesting with technical ministries because they're the things you only hear about when you don't like something. You know, it's not something you come and go, man, the sound today, the lights, it, it just was amazing. Those, you kept up with every word. I can't believe it. But, man, when it doesn't go well, it's like we are ready. So I want you to know it's a very difficult role to play. At the same time, think of how many people can be mobilized to help do what we do through all this. There's a lots of meaningful, important roles at play every weekend, and then things we do outside of the services. So we want to pray for you guys and welcome you as well. Lord, thank you for Riley and Lauren and that you brought them here to join our family, to be a part of us. And as we always do, we pray their character would run ahead of their giftedness so they would be people that grow in the depth of you and live a life out of relationship with you. We pray for their own missional life, however you call them in this season and the ones ahead, 
that we would get to be a part of it. They would both impact us and we would impact them. And we pray a blessing over their marriage, over the different things they pursue, and particularly over Riley as he leads others. May he bring a shepherding heart, a skill development, and just a connection, that there'd be wonderful connection in this area that we would learn to serve and work together in beautiful ways. We bless them. We thank you that you brought them here, and we pray the best ahead in the name and power of Jesus. Amen. Hey, would you welcome them now? And then I just want to remind you, I, don't, I, I often forget to kind of, I guess, just remind us of the fact that we live in what we call a teaching team model, which means there's not one person who's always teaching. You're stuck with me most of the time, and I teach more than others, but we build around having different voices from different circumstances and men and women that are both gifted to lead, that are pastoral, and so we love that, that you get different voices. And, you know, many of you, you just, we hear differently. We need that. That's part of the life of the church. It's never built around one individual. And so I also want to tell you that we have the joy not only of having pastors on our staff, which we have, men and women that are ordained pastors, we also have pastors in our church that are members here and serve in other roles. And so I want to take you back that Dina Horn, Dina uh, has really been part of our church, I guess, since 1999 initially, and was with Dave, her husband, was on staff with us. They went to Europe for a season and served in different ways together there. Now they're back and they live in the area, but they're at our Muskegon campus, which when I said last hour, Dina was the only one to woohoo this time, but other people did in here as well. And we know at the Muskegon campus they were cheering because they see it there during the first hour. They don't now because they don't watch twice. Uh, but what I want to tell you is, as she serves now in the global arm of the Wesleyan Church, not at our church, uh, she's also part of our church. And we love her voice as one of our teaching team and one that leads us. So I want to invite Dina now to come and speak to us. Thanks, Pete. Why don't we start with a prayer? God. Thank you. Thank you for this day. Um, I thank you for this body that we are a part of. And just pray that you would give us ears to hear the word that you have for us today, God. And I anticipate, and I pray that you give us all a spirit of anticipation of what you have for each one of us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, three years ago, so Dave explained, or sorry, not Dave, he's my husband. Uh, Pastor Peter explained that Dave and I lived in Europe for eight years, and we've been back now for the past two years. But three years ago, while we were living in Europe, I um, went to the airport, which we did many times, and I was getting ready to board that flight from Vienna, Austria to Chicago, which is a nice big long flight, and I um, went to scan my boarding pass, and beep, beep, it was rejected. So that was a little disturbing. Um, you see, we had been doing lots of travel for our work, which was um, Dave's role was to supervise our missionaries, the global partners missionaries throughout Europe, and to give leadership and, and cheer on our national churches. And so I got to travel a bit with that. I now lead our um, global internship program called Next. And so with, with our roles, we did quite a bit of travel. And um, actually one year, I came back to the States for a funeral, for a couple of weddings. We did all this travel in Europe. 
And I was racking up some serious United Airlines miles, I'll say. And I, I reached gold status, which you get some sweet perks. So back in line, beep, beep, you're denied. So I take my, my boarding pass first. I look at the date, make sure I've got the right, the right uh, flight. And I go over to the, to the gate agent, and she says, oh, you've been upgraded. And uh, so she reissued a boarding pass that was like seat 4B. Okay, thank you very much. And I will tell you what, business class is awesome. And uh, Dave and I were very uncool. And we were ooing and aahing at everything. I mean, people, they've got real silverware. <laughs> there was a coffee menu. It wasn't just you want cream or sugar. You know, it was what, which kind of coffee drink would you like? And they had the ice cream cart that rolled up and down the aisle, and you could say what you want on it. I mean, it was so cool. Well, what's remarkable, it happened again. You guys, I got upgraded. And this time, I was very cool. And I deserved that lay-down flat seat. And um, I gave dirty looks to the people who came up to use my bathroom. Yeah, it is uh, kind of remarkable how we can pretty quickly slip into feeling like we are deserving of what we can take. And in fact, um, our culture rewards takers. We want to be the ones with the seat at the table and in charge. And, and we, we get sucked into this, you know, feeling of like we need power. We need to be the strong ones. We need to be the leader. We need to be the ones in charge. And even those of us who are Christ followers can be impacted by this mentality. Sometimes it's not even overt. It could even be like this subtle allure to get ahead. So don't get me wrong. Sitting in business class is pretty sweet. But a disturbing shift happened inside of me where I really felt like I was the better person for having that seat. I was better than those people in the back. I don't like to admit the ways that I do like to get ahead in life. I am an ambitious person. And I struggle with that desire for recognition, for that pat on the back. So I really identify with the disciples in our passage today. Uh, I, we're in this series, Give or Take. We're examining the ways that, um, that we are takers. And hopefully we're being inspired to see, to follow Jesus' example, and even be enabled by him to be able to be givers with open hands, focused on others, focused on God. And uh, Pete mentioned that he introduced the series last week, reminding us that Jesus is our ultimate example. And each week, we're going to be looking at those ways that we can be more of a giver than a taker. And Jesus started with love. And I loved that uh, Pete emphasized this last week, that he said, Jesus came not to make us lovable, he came because he loved us. There's just a subtle shift there that helps us to be more clear about 
who we are as God's beloved. Well, let's go to um, Mark 10 today. Our passage is Mark 10, 35 to 45. So I'm going to read this through for all of us. So then James and John, my friends. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over and spoke to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor. Well, what is your request, he asked. They replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and one on your left. But Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering I must be baptized with? Oh, yes, they replied, we are able. And then Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup and be baptized with my baptism of suffering. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right or left. God has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. When the 10 other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. So Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. And this is the verse I want to repeat. And among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Ah, James and John. When Jesus called these brothers to become his disciples, he nicknamed them the Sons of Thunder, or as I like to call them, the Sons of Thunder. They were aggressive, impatient. I think Jesus was calling out that, qual that character quality that they had. They were over the top. They were impetuous. In Luke 9, uh, the story is told that Jesus and the disciples were traveling on their way to Jerusalem, and they, they were going to stop at one of the Samaritan villages, and they wouldn't welcome them. They said, no, no, you can't stay here. And so G James and John's solution was to come to Jesus and say, hey, should we call down fire from heaven on that village? And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Calm down, you guys. That's not the way we're going to accomplish this. And I want to caution us to not read these guys as the bad guys or clueless disciples. These are my friends, you guys, James and John. I get them in some way. You see, they weren't actually just one of the 12. They were one of the three. I mean, we hear over and over, Peter, James, and John. Jesus loved them. He saw great potential in them. They were his besties. They wanted to power up, but Jesus kept telling them that powering up damages relationships. In fact, this entire string of stories from the life of Jesus it has been written to make this point, not just this exchange, but the entire book, or actually this chapter of Mark, 
is one story after another making this point that powering up damages relationships. So I'm going to give you a little Bible study tip. When you're reading along, or if you're starting some kind of passage, and it starts with therefore, you need to look to see why it's therefore. Okay. So the therefore or the then, like my translation says here, so then. So I read this then, and I was like, huh, I wonder what's before that. So let's go back through and see. So actually, I mean, there's just a whole string of things. So let me just see if I can run through them pretty quick. The beginning of Mark 10 is the story of when the Pharisees come to challenge Jesus, to test him on his views on divorce. Moses had made an allowance for divorce, and they were coming to test Jesus to say what he would say. Now, you have to understand, in those days, only men could divorce women. Women couldn't divorce men. So Jesus is saying, don't do it. You're throwing women away. Women have value. Don't power up on women. The next exchange, children. The children were coming and the disciples were sending them away. Jesus was indignant, that word again. He was mad about it. Like, no, bring the children. Children have value. Don't throw the children away. Next thing. The rich, young, moralistic ruler. I preached on this back in July. And this was this, this rich, uh, wealthy, and with status young man came to Jesus. And in that day, righteousness was shown by your wealth and status. And Jesus challenged him to give up his wealth, to give up those things. And he went away sad. So we've got all these people going away. <laughs> we've got the women and the children being sent away. And Jesus says, no, uh, uh, uh. that's not how this is going to work. And we've got the rich man saying, get, going away on his own because Jesus is saying, mm -mm, that's not the way this works. All of these three stories emphasize that holding power over others is not the way of Jesus. Powering up damages relationships. So following those interactions, Jesus and the disciples are on their way to Jerusalem for the final time before his arrest, crucifixion, resurrection. So he's like, hey guys, okay, last chance here. Actually, it's the third time he has this conversation with his disciples that he is going to die and suffer. And they just it's inconceivable to them because they keep hearing this word kingdom and it doesn't make any sense. So the sons of thunder want to sit in places of glory. Now, Jesus confronts the disciples over and over and over about the way his kingdom works. My kingdom isn't about going through some hard stuff, a.k.a. the cross, to come out on top. N.T. Wright describes it like this. The cross, according to Jesus and to Mark, is not a difficult episode to get through on the way to a happy ending. The suffering Jesus speaks of is, in fact, part of his kingdom. His glory includes a cup and a baptism of suffering to come. It's not that the disciples were stupid. They just couldn't grasp Jesus' countercultural kingdom. So it's hard to resist 
the pull of culture. Just like I can be sucked into cultural values when it comes to airline status, the disciples were constantly reminded of their low status in their context. They were, um, in, they were ruled by the Romans, so it was a Jewish culture, but it was also this Roman culture put on top of them, confronted by them every day. There were seven distinct classes in the Roman culture from slave to emperor. And it was very important to know and, and to show others which class you belong, you belong to. And that was shown by your clothing. So the clothing you wore was a constant reminder of where you fit into this whole scheme. So it was a showing of status. I mean, only lower class people would wear tunics and only the, the Roman citizens and higher could wear a toga. So your clothing was this public display of your power. So I don't know if you guys are up on the latest, but I don't know if you know a couple weeks ago was New York Fashion Week. And just for the little bit of the hot latest, so bomber jackets are in and glitter and oversized as well as skinny fit. So you kind of go either way there. So you heard it here first. We, we look at fashion as something that is um, a, a, a mode of self-expression, but not so for the disciples. They weren't like deciding what to wear each day. So I wonder if the constant reminder of being less than, when Jesus kept talking about this kingdom, made the disciples feel some hope that just maybe someday we're going to be out on top. They kept getting sucked into a Roman worldview that told them that the way up the chain was the way to reclaim or to get some power. But Jesus confronts this. He turns the world's ideas of power and glory inside out and upside down. When the other disciples hear what James and John have asked Jesus, they were indignant. This is more than upset. They were angry. And who were those disciples? Chief among them must have been Peter. I mean, James and John, like, go out. Oh, shh, don't tell Peter. Quick, here's Jesus, you know? I mean, what was happening there? I don't know. We don't, we don't know for sure. But Peter had to be like, wait a second, guys. They're also getting sucked into that, like, wait, but wait, where am I going to be? And let's jockey for position. What was Jesus' solution to this mess? How do we resist the pull of culture? Well, greatness comes from serving. So I'm going to read Mark 10, 43 to 45 again. Here's Jesus pulling the disciples together again. Bless him. I don't think he's rolling his eyes. I really don't. I think in love, he's saying, come on, you guys, let's, let's, let's revisit this. I love you. I want you to get this. Whoever wants to be a leader, now I'm reading New Living Translation, but a lot of translations say there, whoever wants to be great, more general. Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life 
as a ransom for many. It was radical for Jesus to describe greatness in terms of servanthood. And then he even ramped it up to say, and you even must be a slave. That's ridiculous. Slaves were socially inferior. A servant here is the common word for like waiting on tables. So when you're at a restaurant and if you're a server, your focus is on the customer. And if you're a slave, your focus is on your master. And so Jesus here is calling us to focus on others and on our master, our Lord God. How can we not be focused on ourselves? I don't see that anywhere here. It's focusing on others and focusing on God. That's the posture in which we serve others. So as we consider this challenge to be the kind of people who aren't powering up on others, then we serve them, following the leading of God in our lives. And Jesus is our example and our enabler. He came not to be served, but to serve. He came not to take, but to give. He submits to the Father. He said it's not for him to decide who sits on the right and the left. So even Jesus, in our example, is submitting to, he's looking to God the Father. And as our ransom, he enables us to freely serve others. That word ransom would have been very common. for The disciples would have totally gotten that because that's what was paid to free a slave. So we can serve in freedom. We can serve with abandon of love, focusing on others and on God. Greatness comes from serving. And service is love made tangible. 11 years ago, I had the honor to donate a kidney to my oldest sister. She had struggled with diabetes her whole life, and her kidney was failing. And um, I had to go through a lot of tests to be able to donate my kidney. So I'm going to read my list. I did, a, I did blood tests, urine tests, a CT scan, EKG, and a chest x-ray. You know, it was very thorough to make sure that I was healthy enough and that I was going to be a good enough match for her. But the most surprising test that I had was a psychological exam. And that, was, that conversation was about making sure that I had not been coerced to give. That it was a gift that I was freely giving. That no one was making me do that. Well, the day of the uh, transplant was just wild. It was, a wild. it was a wild experience, I'll tell you. Because I was feeling real good, and then I didn't feel so good. But I walked in. Um, to the operating room. Yes, I literally walked into the operating room. I guess I had thought I'd be like wheeled in on a gurney or something, and I don't know. No, I think that was another like feeling of like, no, I am choosing to do this. No one's making me do this. I mean, I literally climbed up awkwardly onto the operating table. I hopped up on there feeling 100%, and, and when I woke up, I, I didn't feel 100%, but my sister, with an, a functioning kidney, like, just felt better and better and better. Like, she was feeling great. 
And uh, my, my uh, recovery took a good long time, but I was so honored to be able to help my sister and serve her in this way, in a very tangible, physical way. So I am Dina, the kidney giver, and I am also Dina, the status taker. You know, the human condition is challenging. It's difficult. We're mixed. We're all mixed in here. And Jesus meets us in that, guys. We don't have to get this perfect. He meets us in our mixed motives, in our complicated feelings, in our maybe not so pure, wanting to serve in some way. And he transforms us as we give and love and step out. My kingdom is different. So just like James and John and to the other disciples, Jesus said this, and I say this to us today, but among you, it will be different. As his kingdom and as his kingdom people, we do it differently. The sons of thunder had a phenomenal transformation. James was the first martyr. In fact, in Acts 12, it, it tells us that Herod had him killed by the sword. And John uh, was the, became famous, <laughs> famous, he became famous as the apostle of love. He wrote the gospel of John. He wrote the three epistles, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. He wrote the book of Revelation. I mean, the guy gave us a lot of our New Testament. And he's known as the disciple whom Jesus loved. So I want to invite you to this kind of transformation and service. Maybe you're already feeling great ways to serve. Maybe you're already involved. Maybe you, you know the ways that God has gifted you and enabled you to serve. And that is awesome. I celebrate that. Just yesterday, I shared at the women's brunch about hospitality. And we talked about a lot of great ways that we can serve and love our families and neighbors and the other, the stranger, around with, the, with hospitality around our tables. And hospitality isn't just for Christians, you know. It's not just a spiritual gift. It's a spiritual practice. This is a way we love others. But maybe you feel a little bit of an internal tension of not knowing for sure how or where to serve. Or maybe you're even feeling like you don't trust your motives for service and it's messy. Maybe you're second guessing if your reasons to serve are pure. And Jesus will meet you there. You don't have to be perfect to serve. I'm so thankful for our church and the clear vision that we have to reach out to our neighbors and our nations. And when we moved back, there were a lot of new people here. There were a lot of new staff. And I was um, getting to know Pastor Evan, our campus ministries pastor. And, and he was talk I was talking with him about like how and where to serve and how to get involved, that kind of thing. And instead of giving me, well, here's a list of things you can do. He asked me a great question. What's your passion? What brings you joy? What a great starting point, you know? Who are you? Who has God made you to be? 
What brings you joy? And how can you do that thing focused on others and focused on God and be this kind of kingdom person? So many opportunities. But consider who God made you to be. Serving is freeing when it's out of love. Serving is the giving posture of kingdom people. Jesus calls us to live counterculturally, not to lead and take, but to serve and give. It's that small step of generosity. It's taking a step of obedience to tangible acts of love at school or work or in your neighborhood. It's saying yes to opportunities that you hear about or that you pursue. Imagine a community where we are different, where we welcome the lost and the other, where we're not trying to get to the top, but we're loving and serving those around us with freedom. Among us, it must be different. Let's pray. Jesus, give us that enabling Holy Spirit to prompt us toward tangible acts of love and service. God, I pray that you would help us to know and to, um, to embrace that greatness is in serving and that we would have a posture of submission to you as you continue to prompt us. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much, Dina. We always try to give a little space when we've have taken in the scriptures like this, that we believe it's not about information or even persuasion, but about revelation. And so we try to have a little time at the end to worship together and to even celebrate what we call the Lord's Supper or communion. So I want to invite you to stand as Carter leads us. It might be something where as we worship you, even receive what it is we sing of, that you see God's very love and presence or that you're just open. God, what do you want to say to me? What do you want to dig deeper in from what I've heard today? But as we worship, just ask the Lord to be with you and to lead you. And then I'll guide us through communion in the midst of that. You met me at my lowest moments. You saw me at my very When I expected disappointment, love was all I heard. My sin was deep, your grace was deeper. My shame was wide, your arms were wider. My guilt was great, your love was greater still. You ran to me when I was naked. You clothed me in your righteousness. You pulled me from the depths of darkness. To your light again, 
for a few minutes. You should have gotten a little cup when you came in. If you didn't, every week we celebrate communion this way. We always want to invite you, if you're watching online, to have bread and drink with you. If you do, you'll notice the top, when you when you pull it off, the top area has bread, and then you'll pull up the next layer for the drink. <clears throat> I want you to know, too, we don't have a closed communion in the sense you have to be a member here. We just want you to be pursuing Jesus. We don't want you to feel obligated to participate in something that seems meaningless or religious. But this is the center of our faith. The church for all of its history is centered around what we call the Lord's Supper. And really it is a centering act. I love the quote that Dina read today from N.T. Wright about just the beauty that we go through suffering. It's part of the nature of the kingdom that we celebrate and remember the height and depth and breadth and width of Jesus' love. And so while we do it in a tactile way by receiving, we're asking God to awaken us in every facet of us, in our thoughts, our feelings, our will, all of it, when we celebrate communion. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. He took bread, he broke it, and he gave thanks. And he said to his disciples, this is my body and it's given for you. I came in the flesh out of love for you, the ultimate act of service to lay down my life for you. And not only do I give you life, I invite you to join me in the same way of living. Let's take of the bread. In the same way, he took the cup. He said, it's a new covenant in my blood for the forgiveness of your sins. Make no mistake, we don't just receive it. He then calls us to be forgiving people. Like one of the first places we learn to serve is that we actually serve and love people when they're harmful to us and difficult. And so we receive, and then we ask the Lord to help us to give what we've received. Let's take of the cup. And even as we pray and hope that God meets you in this simple, wonderful sacrament, as we worship to kind of conclude this time, I want you, if nothing else, just to receive. It's okay that we're complex, mixed people, that we long to do the right thing and we often don't, that we live in the brokenness and we live in the new life. And so receive from God, even as we sing of our vulnerability and brokenness, that he would meet us in this, not just in a thought, but in actuality. Let me have you stand as we sing together and I'll come and give us a blessing. How wide, how far, how high the love of my Savior, the love of Christ. How deep, how wide, how far, how high the love of my Savior, the love of Christ. How deep, how how far, how high the love of my Savior, the 
was deep, your grace was deeper, my shame was wide, your arms were wider, my guilt was great, your love was greater still. My sin was deep, your grace was deeper than the sea, my shame was wide, your arms were wider, my guilt was great, your love was greater still. So how deep, how wide, how far? want to give you a blessing as we do each week. But before that, uh, I want to remind you that we, we put this reading plan together. It's five days a week. It's not a long reading. It's about the amount of text that we heard today, about 10 or 15 verses. But I really believe if you'll engage in this, it will help stay with and build on. The Spirit will continue to move in the very thing we're learning today. So I want to encourage you to pick that up, whether it's in the lobby or online to just engage in the scriptures during the week and ask God to continue to reinforce for you, build into you what we're learning. Now, normally I just give you a blessing with words and uh, we thought this might be a fun, unique way to experience today. I want you to place your hands out. Uh, in one of the prophetic uh, books, it tells us that God sings over us. And so Carter's really just gonna sing over us words that God would say over us. And then I'll just seal it with a benediction from him. Come now, my child, rest in my arms, and know that my love for you is strong. So he child just feel my peace and know I'll give you everything that you need so trust in me Just trust in me. Won't you trust in me? 
this be true in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.